the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre recorded. Boy, did we dodge a bullet. The Democrats wanted this guy to be a Supreme Court justice. Republicans didn't allow that to happen, but the big guy hired him to be Attorney General. And Senator Josh Hawley destroyed this guy, Merrick Garland, in a hearing yesterday. Listen. I notice a pattern, though. The FBI field office in Richmond on the 23rd of January of this year issued a memorandum in which they advocated for, and I quote, the exploration of new avenues for tripwire and source development against traditionalist Catholics. It's their, their language including those who favor the Latin mass. Attorney General, are you cultivating sources and spies in Latin mass parishes and other Catholic parishes around the country? The Justice Department does not do that. It does not um, um, do investigations based on religion. I saw the document you have. It's appalling. It's appalling. I'm in complete agreement with you. I understand that the FBI has withdrawn it and is now looking into how this could ever have happened. How did it happen? That's what they're looking into. But I'm totally in agreement with you. That document is appalling. I'll tell you how it happened. The This memorandum, which is supposed to be intelligent, cites extensively the Southern Poverty Law Center, which goes on to identify all of these different Catholics as being part of hate groups. Is, is this how the FBI, under your direction and leadership, is, is this how they do their intelligence work? They look, they look at left-wing advocacy groups to target Catholics? Is this what's going on? I mean, clearly it is. How is this happening? The FBI is not targeting Catholics. And, and as I've said, this is an, uh, an inappropriate memorandum, and it doesn't reflect the methods that the FBI is supposed to be using. It should not be relying on any single organization without doing its own work. Let me just ask you, as my time expires here, a very direct question. How, how many informants do you have in Catholic churches across America? I don't know, and I don't believe we have any informants aimed at Catholic churches. We have a rule against uh, investigations based on First Amendment um, activity, and uh, uh, Catholic churches are obviously uh, First Amendment. Activity. Well, but I don't know the specific answer. To you, you don't know the specifics of anything, it seems, but apparently on your watch, this Justice Department is targeting Catholics, targeting people of faith specifically for their faith views. Yeah, good thing that's not a lifetime appointment, huh? When we come back, more on the weaponization of the federal government, in this case, paying people to censor information. And in our second half hour, what happens to the pirates and the penguins when their local TV station goes away, maybe by the end of this month? Stick around. Chinese Communist Party intends to surpass us and to be the world leader in innovative technology. Innovation Race, the shocking new movie from the Tea Party Patriots, exposes the truth. China will use our own technology to threaten our economic and military security. Dominating technology means you dominate the world itself. This is a race that we cannot afford to lose because we're not going to have a country. If China gains control over 5G technology with a flip of a switch, they could remotely turn off our phones, our cars, even our power grid. We've lost sight of what it is to protect this nation. We need to up our game. In today's high-tech world, there's no prize for second place. Watch 
Innovation Race. Available now on demand or DVD at SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread. The MyPillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the MyPillow 2.0 is buy one, get one free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature-regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. The word is out. People are abandoning their overpriced wireless carriers and flocking to Pure Talk for the same 5G coverage, but at a fraction of the price. In fact, the average family saves over $800 a year when switching from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. And switching is so easy. You can keep your phone, keep your number, or get huge discounts on the latest iPhones and Androids. Right now, you can get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month. Or if you still want unlimited data... You can get that and still save a fortune. So make the switch and get the same coverage as the big guys, but at half the price. Go to puretalk.com, type in your address to find the coverage at your home, then enter promo code half off, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com, promo code half off. Switch to Pure Talk and get unlimited talk, text, and 6 gigs of data for just $30 a month because Pure Talk is simply smarter wireless. Hey, I'm Andy. I started Harry's because I was frustrated with buying razors at the drugstore. And when I say frustrated, I mean like so upset I called my friend Jeff. Hello, this is Jeff. Jeff, I'm at the store, and I don't get why these razors... Cost so much? Yeah, and do they need to look like robots? Ah, dude, I know, and it's so frustrating how expensive they are. Getting ripped off sucks. We gotta do something about this. Why don't we make our own high-quality razors at much better prices? Actually, I heard about this German razor factory that makes some really high-quality blades. Really? Okay, maybe that's not exactly how it went. But we did buy that German factory, where we're turning high-quality steel into super-sharp blades for a smooth shave at a great price. Seriously, as low as $2 per cartridge. Over the past 10 years, 20 million people have tried Harry's. Join them and get your starter set now. That's a five-blade razor, weighted handle, and shave gel, all for just 3 bucks with free shipping, backed by our quality guarantee. If you don't like it, it's on us. Just go to harrys.com now and enter code MODERN at checkout. That's harrys.com code MODERN. This is the John Stacker Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, over the past several days, uh, we're finding out that opinion or stories, opinions or stories, I should say, that uh, that used to be considered conspiracy theories were not that at all. And the truth is starting to come out on masks, the origin of the COVID-19 virus, other stuff. According to a series in the Washington Examiner by Gabe Kaminsky, we could have found out a long time ago, if not for... Uh, the government paying people to censor information. Gabe joins us now. Gabe, thanks for coming on again. Appreciate it. John, good to be with you. Long time no talk. Yeah, the last, uh, well, not the last time. The first time we had you on was, uh, I looked it up, was like three years ago, and you were a student at Pitt and and, uh, That's right. and an intern at uh, the Federalist. So you're doing okay for yourself there. Uh, ex- uh, a, um, a, uh, a, a reporter, a, an investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner. So congratulations on that. Um, so uh, let's start with this question for you. Uh, what is the Global Disinformation Index? That's a scary-sounding thing. Yeah, so uh, we, we've been publishing a series of stories in the Washington Examiner uh, that have detailed how several organizations that purport to be tracking disinformation on the Internet have been secretly feeding blacklists of conservative websites to advertising companies. And so the Global Disinformation Index is actually one of those uh, nonprofit groups. Uh, when I say blacklist, what this means is that the Global Disinformation Index compiles a list of the conservative websites or websites in general that it determines to be the biggest peddlers of uh, disinformation on the Internet. Washington Examiner learned, uh, you know, exclusively that we were on that list and several other conservative outlets as well on the national level. 
Uh, and this has essentially resulted in major amounts of advertising dollars being leveraged, uh, you know, through this process. So this this uh, global disinformation index was it something that advertisers were uh, known to reference and to depend on for who that where they want to put their advertising dollars? I mean, was it effective? That's right. So it, it, and this is all ongoing in the present, but essentially how it works is that advertising companies subscribe to the global disinformation indexes block list, and essentially they adhere to it and decide not to place ads on X um, certain websites. And to give you an example, John, there's a company called Xander, X-A-N-D-R, that was owned by Microsoft, and they actually subscribe to the global disinformation uh, indexes uh, blacklist. So websites like the Daily Wire, the Washington Examiner, Breitbart, Real Clear Politics, we're all on this blacklist, and we actually le- we published that blacklist because advertisement executives, uh, they leaked it to us, um, and that actually resulted a day later in Microsoft announcing it is suspending its relationship uh, with the, the disinformation group and launching an internal investigation. But uh, look, there's still a variety of groups that subscribe to this list. That's just one example. So, yeah, in your piece, you, uh, you have GDI's uh list of the 10 quote-unquote riskiest news outlets and here they are there's the list american spectator newsmax the federalist the american conservative one american news the blaze the daily wire real clear politics reason and the new york post seems like they have something in common there gabe well that's right john all those outlets skew to the right uh, it's not the center right. Uh, Reason is particularly a libertarian news right, outlet. Right, right. Um, but I, I, I will note, so those are the 10 outlets deemed the riskiest uh, that have been sort of financially punished. The outlets that they've determined to be the least riskiest include uh, Huffington Post, uh, <laughs> Washington, uh, Washington Post, uh, BuzzFeed News, and New York Times, and several other outlets. But I, I want to highlight specifically Huffington Post and BuzzFeed News because both of these outlets pushed um, the Russian steel dossier that intended to falsely link Donald Trump to the Russian government. Sure. They also have pushed the notion that the Hunter Biden uh, uh, stories based on Hunter Biden's laptop, which uh, are, are Russian disinformation. And, and this is objectively false. For example, Washington Examiner, we commissioned a full forensic analysis of that laptop to a Secret Service agent, and that person confirmed with 100% authenticity that it's his laptop. But but still, these outlets are apparently the least riskiest. So how was the uh, University of Washington involved in all of this? Yeah, we you know we, we kind of revealed this uh, uh, Monday or a few days ago. Uh, essentially, uh, you know, the University of Washington, at the same time that the Global Disinformation Index was publishing research intending to smear uh, the lab leak hypothesis, the notion that COVID-19 emerged from a laboratory in Wuhan, China, um, they, they smeared that as false. And they also, you know, targeted Republican or conservative leaning sites um, that, you know, that that said, you know, the theory could be possible. It, it, that, that was their kind of contention. They weren't saying this is the theory. They were saying certainly possible. Um, and so the University of Washington around that same time, uh, a publicly funded university that is funded by the likes of the Department of Defense, NASA, uh, Department of Energy, uh, National Science Foundation, major major agencies in the United States government, uh, they, they, they partnered with the Global Disinformation Index to target alleged COVID uh, disinformation on the internet. And so it's kind of linked into how we found more tax dollars flowing to the Global Disinformation Index because um, we had found the State Department funded that organization. So it's this is this is weaponization that we're they're talking about in Washington right now. Is this an example of the weaponization of the government um, of agencies to censor people they don't like? You know that's that's a concern that Republicans in Congress have raised, kind of following uh, several of our stories. Um, you know, I, I'd note specifically on the weaponization angle, Representative Matt Gates and Jim Jordan. Both vowed investigations in relation to the secret of blacklists uh, and kind of this censorship or alleged censorship of uh, conservative media outlets. I'd also note that 
Uh, we published this just today. Um, the State Department gave a classified briefing, briefing today uh, to the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Oversight Committee, uh, Democrat and Republican staffers with regard to uh, government funding of the disinformation group. Uh, and so, you know, Representative James Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, he has demanded documents and uh, communications related to government funding of uh, the disinformation index. So how long has this been going on, uh, the Global Dis- Disinformation Index, and how did it emerge as such a, a well, I guess, I don't know if, if powerful is the right word to use, but a, uh, a, a an important I guess an important factor in, 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 in censoring people. How long has it been around and, and been taken seriously? Yeah. yeah, no, look, it's a great question. This group was founded in 2018, and I had touched on it earlier, but I wanted to note that the, the, the Department of State, uh, through two entities, has granted uh, roughly $665,000 to the Global Disinformation Index uh, to fight alleged uh, foreign disinformation efforts. Um, and so I would, that was between 2020 and 2021. And I believe, honestly speaking, that is really when roughly around this time frame, when this group began to gain major, in, you know, sort of, uh, gain major influence in, uh, in national media. I mean, uh, upon, uh, not only receiving that government funding, but also, uh, publishing research on COVID-19, uh, sort of purported disinformation, uh, the Global Disinformation Index was being, uh, their research was being fed to major media outlets such as Newsweek, uh, major academic institutions. Syracuse University published a study that cited the Global Disinformation Index, or sorry, research, um, rather. Um, so I, I would say that, you know, around that time frame and prior to the rise of Donald Trump, I, this group began to, you know, really, really gain prominence. I noticed that the... Um that it's not called the Global Misinformation Index. It's called the Global Disinformation Index. And doesn't that imply that their targets are intentionally producing lies? Because that's, that's what I take uh, as disinformation. You know, I, I, I take that as purposely lying as opposed to, you know, making a mistake. And don't listen to this because, you know, they have a track record of making mistakes. But when you call it disinformation... You are accusing these people of purposely pr- uh, providing false uh, information and, and doing harmful stories on purpose. Right. You know, look, what I can speak to, John, is the fact that um, the Global Disinformation Index, they, they classify disinformation in a very different way than is typical. And, uh, and, for example, what I'd say is disinformation is typically thought to be things uh, and this is a new word, a word that has sort of been relatively, you know, new, new, widely used in a new way. But, you, you know, you think the word disinformation means things uh, such as information that is objectively fraudulent information that, you know, potentially could be harmful to public discourse, given uh, it, it is legitimately fake. The issue becomes uh, that, you know, sort of people have been concerned about is that the Global Disinformation Index has been classifying things as disinformation that are politically inconvenient or that they politically disagree with. Um, I'll give you an example. They've even been flagging opinions of disinformation. We published an article in the Washington Examiner, an opinion article by uh, one of our editors, uh, Con Carroll, and that piece uh, looked at 2022 social science research and essentially uh, was actually less of an opinion article and more just him going through research through a think tank uh, data study that found that uh, conservative men and women are on average more satisfied and happy than liberal men and women. And this was not really his opinion. It was, again, research. And that article was flagged as misogynistic disinformation. I mean, that, raises, that, that obviously raises uh, major questions about this organization. Uh, you know, how it's deciding, uh, you know, what's true or false. Yeah, so what's been the uh, response from the State Department when you asked about this? So there's two arms of the State Department that have been involved in this, uh, this funding. So one aspect is that there's a nonprofit group funded by the State Department called the National Endowment for Democracy, and that organization, following our stories, has pledged that it will no longer be providing financial support to the Global Disinformation Index. Uh, they, they said in order to avoid any, you know, any uh, appearance that they're engaged in domestic affairs, that's kind of their goal because they are a 
foreign operating group. Uh, the other organization, the Global Engagement Center through the State Department, they have not committed to no longer fund, but they have said that there is currently no work further planned with regard to their grants, meaning there's not currently a grant in place. Uh, most certainly that doesn't bar future grants, and I think Congress is really concerned and would like to ink that that uh, there, there can be no future money that can be given through any, any means or appropriations. And so the Global Engagement Center, what exactly is that? The Global Engagement Center is a grant-making body under the State Department that is called an intra-agency, meaning it operates between the State Department, the Department of Defense, and different agencies. Essentially, it's a body under the State Department that provides grants and financial resources uh, to, to groups to fight propaganda or foreign disinformation. Obviously, they've been fighting domestic disinformation evidenced by, uh, by funding of the group that we kind of uncovered. And so the, you have this story out there, and it's out there, and you and I are talking about it here, but how well known is this down in Washington, D.C., among not only, uh, I mean, I'm sure if the liberals and the Democrats know about it, they're okay with it, but how well known is this in conservative circles right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we, we've been fortunate that uh, you know, our stories made a pretty big impact on uh, the political right um, in the sense that Republican members of Congress, I was mentioning James Comer earlier, yeah, and yeah. Uh, there, there's other lawmakers who have really been starting to uh, starting to take a look at this. Um, you know, the, I will note, like the Twitter files by Matt Taibbi and other journalists, there's been less pickup in legacy media outlets. Uh, but I would note that our story uh, was picked up in Politico yesterday and, and Wall Street Journal the prior week. So uh, certainly, you know, it's something that, uh, you know, major outlets and hopefully lawmakers continue to take a look at. We're talking to Gabe Kaminsky. He's a uh, investigative reporter for the Washington Examiner. Um, so, uh, just to get back to the beginning here. How, how did you get onto this, Gabe? Uh, and when did you first become aware of this going on? I mean, you're an investigative reporter, so at some point you you said this needs to be investigated. <laughs> yeah, you know, we we were uh, we, we obtained some information from uh, in, individuals in the adverta- advertising space. Uh, you know, uh, not too long ago, um, and uh, decided to look into it, and uh, you know, sort of realized the government was funding it, which uh, you know raised a lot of uh, alarm bells. That this is certainly something we wanted to bring to the public. Yeah, but and and this is something that would be alarming to the Washington Examiner or any other media outlet if it was just something that was being done by somebody called the Global uh, Disinformation Index. You could be upset about it and not really do much about it, but the big difference or the big issue here is that it's a major it's a major First Amendment issue, isn't it? Because the government is 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 picking and choosing who should be censored and who shouldn't. You know that that's been a concern among members of Congress and certainly First Amendment lawyers that uh, the government shouldn't be putting its pulse on a uh, uh, finger on the pulse of uh, you know the the free press. Yeah, but that's that's what makes it a story because nobody would be surprised if there was a, a group out there trying to censor conservative outlets and saying that, you know, you guys at the Washington Examiner and all these other uh, outlets mentioned, uh, One American News, The Blaze, Daily Wire, they're always accused of, of you, that you guys are always going to be accused by a huge slash of the media of just uh, dispensing dis or misinformation. But it's the government that's helping them do it. Yeah, you know that, and again, yeah, that's that's sort of why this story has resonated, uh, you know, across the board with a lot of different people uh, because of the fact that the government, uh, like you said, has been has been funding this organization. So you're calling it, uh, and the and their your series is called Disinformation Inc. Uh, Incorporated. Um, where do you go next from here with this, Gabe? Are you, are you finished with this story, or is there more to be done? No, no, we're continuing to follow it. Uh, you know, we'll, you know, following up with lawmakers to see how they intend to investigate it. But uh, if you know, if you like to read our stories, you can go to uh, WashingtonExaminer.com or, or follow me on Twitter at G E Kaminsky, G E K A M I N S K Y. And you know, we're, we're we're still following up this story and, and looking at different angles. But uh, it's certainly it's certainly a rabbit hole that you know really hasn't been dug into before. So it's uh, you know it's been exciting. Yeah, you're doing good work over there, Gabe. Thanks for coming on the show, and we'll be following you at WashingtonExaminer.com. Thanks, man.
Thanks, John. Okay, Bye. that's Gabe Kaminsky of the Washington Examiner. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Retired U.S. Navy Admiral James Stavridis cheering news that Ukraine recently defeated Russia in a major tank battle. Admiral Stavridis says several things become clear in watching the Russians lose more than 100 tanks over the past few weeks. One, uh, the Russian military simply does not appear to be a learning organism. Making some of the mistakes they made a year ago in a failed bid to take Kiev. Then there's will, morale. Uh, the Ukrainians are, are fighting for their lives, for their cities, for their children. The Russians are a bunch of conscripts. Admiral Stavridis was interviewed by the Salem Radio Network. Bob Agnew, Capitol Hill. The number of people applying for unemployment benefits in the U.S. fell for a third straight week, down 2,000 to 192,000. On Wall Street, the Dow ahead 280 points, and the S&P 500 is up 19. This is SRN News. From the creators of I Can Only Imagine comes Jesus Revolution. If you look a little deeper, if you look with love, you'll see an entire generation searching for all the right things, just in all the wrong places. Based on a true revolution. You're going to need a bigger church. Jesus Revolution. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now playing. Go to JesusRevolution.movie. Diana got some really bad news from the IRS. They said, you owe quite a bit of money. They told me the possibilities of garnishing my wages, taking my house, taking my car. Diana found out about Optima Tax Relief. They've resolved over a billion dollars for their clients. Optima Tax saved my life. Call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. For details, visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. AM 1250, The Answer. Hugh Hewitt. The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, America. It's the end of a busy week. Mike Pompeo and Vivek Ramaswamy. Chris Christie and Nikki Haley. If you're running for president, you come to The Hugh Hewitt Show. We'll look backwards and forwards at what's ahead. And, of course, Sunny Bunch, because everybody needs the movie. It's the next edition of, the Friday edition of, The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt, tomorrow morning at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, at AM 1250. The answer. You're not who you were 25 years ago. Your life's more complex. People change, families change, and the law changes. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. And a proper estate plan should keep up with those changes. That's why Abernathy and Hagerman presents free ongoing estate planning workshops with attorney Dan Reimer, someone who's really good at making complex concepts sound so simple, so you can protect what's yours and to ensure that your will is done. The next one's happening soon. For details and to attend, visit a-h.law. Did you know that the average price of a used car is up over 40% from just a year ago? The cost of living has gone up and the cost for auto repairs is rising as well. The car you have needs to last you longer than ever. So if your vehicle has less than 150,000 miles with an auto warranty about to expire or with no warranty coverage at all, you need to call CarShield at 800-523-8667. We've just announced a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle service plan to help save thousands of dollars on out-of-pocket expenses for future auto repairs. While the cost for new and used cars continue to go up, CarShield offers protection plans at an all-time low. Drivers who activate their plan today will also receive 24-7 coast-to-coast roadside assistance, courtesy towing and emergency tire, battery, and key lockout service. Call 800-523-8667 today to save 20% on your plan. That's 800-523-8667. Keep your car protected. Call 800-523-8667. Again, 800-523-8667. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. W223CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. Increasing clouds tonight with a low of 33. Tomorrow, increasingly windy with occasional rain. Tomorrow's high 44. Tomorrow night, cloudy, windy, couple of evening showers and a heavy thunderstorm followed by a little rain late. Storms can bring isolated damaging wind gusts. The low 36. Saturday, a morning shower in places, otherwise cloudy and windy with a high of 44. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. 
Dennis Prager here. Sue and I mean it. Dogs are part of our family. We love Otto and Snoopy so much, there's nothing quite like their loyal companionship. So we provide them with rough greens. In fact, I just talked to my wife about it because we want them to be healthy and we want them to be with us as long as possible. That's true. I know Sebastian Gorka feels the same way. The Pragers and I couldn't agree more. Our pups, Kelly and Alea, rely on us to provide what's best for them. And naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black has packed rough greens full of vitamins minerals, digestive enzymes, omega oils, and more that supplement their food in a way that has shown us great results. Trying out Rough Greens is an easy yes, recommended by me, Dr. G. Naturopathic Dr. Dennis Black here, and I'm so proud that the Pragers and Sebastian Gorka have entrusted their dog's health to Rough Greens. I'm so confident that Rough Greens can help your dog. I'm offering you a free Jumpstart trial bag. Just cover the shipping. Yes, your dog's food is dead food, but you can bring it back to life with Rough Greens. Go to ruffgreens.com. The John Steiger Wall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So, have you cut the cord yet? I haven't. I'm still a cable TV customer. Lots of people are cutting the cord and going to streaming, and that could be a big problem for the Penguins and the Pirates. AT&T Sportsnet could be gone by the end of the month. Travis Sochik, who used to cover the Pirates for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, where we once worked together, uh, writes about the business of sports for SCORE. He joins us now. Travis, good to have you on. Thanks for doing it. Yeah, nice to be speaking with you again, John. Yeah, good to talk to you. Um, and I, you're, you're covering, you do a lot of writing about the sports business for, for SCORE, so you're a good guy to have on to talk about this for a lot of reasons. But uh, just let's start with this. Is it possible that fans will be watching the Pirates somewhere other, well, in fact, I guess also the Penguins watching the Penguins in the playoffs if they make it. Uh, could they be watching those two teams somewhere other than AT&T Sportsnet, Bob, in a month from, a month from now? Yeah, that's the way it looks. Uh, the Warner Brothers, the, the parent company, uh, has announced its atten- intention to just leave the regional sports network business, and they've given their partner partner clubs and the various pro sports a kind of a month's notice to work at a deal. Or, you know, and if they can't, they'll go into bankrupt. They'll file bankruptcy and go through all those hearings. Uh, so there is a lot of unknown, but they. There's, there's been this 30-day kind of period started to try to negotiate rights, give them back to clubs, I think is ideally the plan, and then have those clubs find new cable partners in their markets. And that, that remains to be seen, what that would look like. Uh, and that's on the cable side. On the streaming side, uh, at least on the Major League Baseball uh, side of things, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, said that if clubs – have issues like with AT&T Sports or Bally Sports, which is in a similar position. Uh, they will make the in-market games available on MLB.tv, which is the platform for, for the out-of-market games. So at, at least on the baseball side, it seems like there there will certainly be a streaming option if, if things really go south. But there's a lot of unknown and uncertainty as we, have, we approach opening day, which is just a crazy story when you think about this cable model that's been so good to club owners uh, has had such an impact on player salaries and has given, you know, us, the consumers and fans so many games to watch the last four decades. And that's all up in the air now uh, as the cord cutting accelerates. Yeah. I'm an old guy. And I remember when uh, there were maybe 30 to 35 pirate games on TV every year and maybe 20 penguins games and (laughs) everybody takes that and that's why radio announcers like Bob Prince and Mike Lang were, were so important to teams because for the majority of the season for 80 percent of the season they were the link uh, to the fans not TV but radio the radio voice whoever was calling your games on radio was gigantically important because of that so uh, and it's been as you said it's been relatively well it's, it's not no longer um, it's no longer recent, but it's it is something that uh, for the last thirty or forty years, it's I'm going to say thirty five years at least. It's been local TV that in in baseball and hockey, not in football. It's been local TV that that uh, funds teams. That's how they're able to pay players. That's where they get their money. So what are they going to yeah, do? They're, they're not. They have to be losing money on this one way or another. They can't be expecting to get the same amount of money. Yeah, uh, certainly not. If it if it does, if these regional sport networks do relinquish the rights back and teams 
have to find new cable partners, cable partners in market. Uh, there, it'll be a significant loss as far as the in-market TV revenues go. Sports Business Journal has estimated it could be as much as a 70% hit in certain markets, uh, the reduction year over year. And you think about what that means for, uh, you know, for the owners' margins and what it could mean for moving players around and uh, meeting payroll or cutting payroll. Uh, although on the flip side, if you're trying to sell subscriptions to uh, Netflix-like direct-to-consumer product, to say air the Penguins or Pirates in streaming, you might not want to trade all your star players away either. So, yeah, you, we think about this cable model. It started all the way back with the New, the New York Islanders in the late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. when they went on uh, the nascent Cablevision in New York, which at the time owners were terrified of this idea of what it would mean for their gate and concessions if you're showing your local games at market. But that quickly, the, the local cable market quickly became a great new source of revenue. Everyone cop, copied the Islanders' uh, model. But what happened was, you know, most people that pay for cable don't watch live sports. I mean, you don't have a majority watching any one channel on the cable generally. So this whole model is subsidized by people who never watch. And as you lose, and, but they were paying those 7 $8 a month in the, this RSN subscription fee that's buried in the cable bill. When you lose that passive customer base that was never really engaged, you're forced to only sell to the diehard fans. Yeah. And there's a question of how many of those fans really exist. I know Pittsburgh's a great sports town, but we look at what, you know, Bally's charging $20 a month mm-hmm. for their in-market streaming. MSG in New York announced a $30 a month plan or, or $10 for a single game. I mean, how many people are really uh, willing to pay that in market? So, uh, just in talking to people around the industry, they think if it is a direct-to-consumer st- you know, streaming option that becomes the, the model here in a few years or maybe sooner than that, it will, at least in the short term, there will be pain for owners and players as far as what it means for, for dollars coming in because it won't match what peak cable uh, was providing yeah. uh, teams. Well, so uh, um, what people don't, a lot of people don't understand um, who don't work in the media or understand the media, uh, when it comes to what's going on with cable television and cable news, networks like CNN and Fox, they could almost be, make a nice pro- They could probably make a nice profit with no advertising because they get so much money from subscribers. Everybody who has cable has CNN and Fox now. And, right. um, and so they get a certain number of uh, dollars every month if they, don't, if they don't put a commercial up there. But for a sports team, um, it, it's and it's the same thing. They they don't they they could probably put their games on and still make a nice buck, but they're not going to make the kind of money that they've been making. And uh, so, what do they do? I mean, it's it's a you're talking about seventy five percent. That's if the Penguins if the Pirates get fifty million dollars a year for TV, that's a that's a, they're losing thirty five million. Yeah, that's I a, mean, for them, that's about half, that's that's the whole team almost, with their payroll. Yeah, uh, I mean, we don't know what the those are estimates, but they yeah. seem like they could be realistic. And I know, just speak with some people that cover Disney, ESPN as analysts in, in the financial world. So ESPN Plus only makes like a third of the revenue per user that the traditional cable model does for ESPN. So I think applying that to this situation makes some sense. It probably is a, it probably is a 60, 70% cut for if this is uh, the, the streaming and cable combined, but whatever teams get from cable rights trying to negotiate with no leverage as the season approaches, you can't, I can't believe they'll get anything close to what they were enjoying. And then there's the other calculus where if you're the pirates and penguins, you want to be bundled together. You don't, right. the pirates can't, if you you can't string together multiple hundred lost seasons and have people sign up or have cable another cable provider bidding for you, you kind of want to be bundled together. So if one club's going through a rebu- rebuilding process, fans are kind of more, uh, you know, willing to st- stick with the bundle and not cancel and have that churn rate. So there's so many factors going on. It's it's really an interesting time. That's that's was going to be my next question. The AT and T doesn't just provide Penguins and Pirates, but uh, they but they do com- they do provide the Penguins and Pirates, and that's the only place you can go to get the two of them. If they do separate it, 
um, the Penguins are the most successful franchise in the market in the last 35 years. The Pirates have had, they've been terrible for probably 35 of the last 40 years, 33 or whatever it is. Um, how can the Pirates uh, succeed or expect to get a decent amount of money if that is split and, the, and, if, and you don't have to take the Pirates with the Penguins? I mean, you, you mentioned that it's, they, they, they want that, but the Penguins needed a lot more than the Pirates do. I mean, the Pirates needed a lot more than the Penguins do. Yeah, it's such an interesting question to ponder. And how would, how would the Pirates and Penguins negotiate with each other? <laughs> yeah, yeah that's that? what I was going to ask you, too. That's the other thing. Uh, Will they be competing against each other in the local market? Because that's, an, yeah, that's not a good think, look for the Pirates if they do. No, that would that's certainly... like. If the pirates are forced to in a, into a situation where they're operating solo, as a you know whether it's on the streaming side, as having to sell subscriptions like a Netflix or Disney yeah. Plus, and you're the pirates, you have to put a much better product on the field to compel people to sign up. And locally on cable, if you weren't you know if they weren't bundled with the Penguins, they're probably getting a far less premium for what someone's willing to pay for their the regular season games to carry them, especially on short notice. Uh, if, if that's what it comes to this season. So it is It is wild. Uh, it could ultimately be good for Pirates fans because it would pressure ownership to to be more competitive yeah, but and not have these. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, uh, but, you know, getting there to that point, uh, there's a lot of choppy waters there. So I didn't – go ahead. Yeah, I no, but here, here's the thing. Uh, you were going to say that it, it's it, the, the fans might benefit because it'll be cheaper, but um, the Pirates, uh, they can't afford – for it to be cheaper, they can't. They, they're they, they all look the um, the. I think it's the the Mets. The Mets have a three hundred and fifty million dollar payroll this year, um, and they're what do they get? Two hundred million dollars a year for TV. I don't know where that's going, or if they're going to have the same issue that the Pirates have. But the Pirates can't compete now because of the ridiculous difference in local TV money, and you 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 start reducing the amount of money the Pirates can charge. Then that means that's less money that they're going to make, and they, they, how are they going to? I don't know how they can exist with, with like this. I don't know how they can do it. Yeah, uh, they're great questions, and you wonder: could this? If let's say MLB TV had a, a, the in-market option, then more revenues became centralized, and more revenues were shared. Then you wonder: could that lead to uh, more something closer to a salary cap and yeah. floor in the sport, uh, which? You know, people can argue about if that's good or not for for players. I think owners would be in favor. It, it could it would be very good for small market fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, as for the, this could, as you know, I mean, it could really make the local cable dollars, not the streaming dollars necessarily, but the cable dollars even more could be even more disparity there in the short term with a team like the Mets and you know the Yankees and the Yes Network are not in the same position. They're not in danger of. Their operations going into bankruptcy right now. So, you have some of the smaller market teams who have this RSN issue, and some of the larger market clubs at this point uh, do not. So, yeah, there's As, there's like layers, there's layers upon layers in this situation playing out. And uh, by the way, like opening days in a you know a month. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> to Travis Sawchick, and the playoffs are in a month. You know, a month about six weeks. Uh, we're t- talking to Travis Sawchick. Uh, he works. He writes for Score. Where can we find your stuff, Travis? Score the, the Score app. Okay, it's, uh, based out of Toronto, but it's a it's one of I think we're the third largest app now in North America for like box scores and it's a sports betting site too. So yeah, you can download it on you know, Apple App Store, Google uh, Google Play, and it is a, even if you don't want to read my stuff, it's a great <laughs> site for box scores. Yeah, it is, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I have it. It's, it's it is a great yeah. app, and I do read your stuff. Um, so here, here's the thing. Um, will the uh, do the Penguins and Pirates now become beggars instead of choosers when they're out there <laughs> looking for somebody to carry their games? Because if I'm if I'm a cable company, I'm going, oh really? You don't have anybody to carry your games, really? Uh, geez, that's a shame. I hate to see that happen to you. But here's how much we're going to offer you. Where are you going to go if you uh, if you don't like this deal? Where are you going? Yeah, I mean they. In the short term, at least, they would become beggars because, I mean, let's look at the cable landscape. Cable's gone from a peak of 100 million households in the U.S. in 2014 to 70 million at the end of last year. So that's a 30% decline. 
and that's really accelerating where Comcast is the largest cable operator and they had an 11% year over year decline, uh, which is really, I mean, it's quite staggering Mm -hmm. uh, when you lose (laughs) 11% of your customers in one year. Uh, So these cable companies are really worried about the losses they have and costs and, uh, you know, they're worried about their own, like, this is an existential period they're going through, the cost uh, cord cutting. Uh, so how much are they really will, how much are some of these players in the cable industry will, willing to pay out? And then you have the whole macro environment where ad dollars are being, you know, a lot of companies with high interest rates and uncertainty in the business world are cutting back on ad spend. And uh, there's just general fear in the business world, I think, about what shape the economy's in. So this is like the wor- one of the worst times to go into the market trying to sell rights to your regular season games. It's uh, it's not a great backdrop in the short term. Here's the other thing, Travis. AT&T doesn't just, uh, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't just provide Penguins and Pirates games. They produce the games. So if they're not going to carry the games, who's going to produce them? So they got to find somebody to. There's got to be a studio. There's got to be. There's got to be a crew to televise the game. Who does that? Where do they find that? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. I, uh, Rob Manfred again. Last I think it was last week he was speaking with reporters. He said MLB would step in and yeah. produce games. I, I don't know about on the hockey side as much. Yeah. I'm not as familiar with how they would produce games, but yeah, I mean, think about all these moving parts. Where you need to, and if even if you want to take on the existing. Uh, employees. I mean, what about contracts and things to work like through that? So I, it seems like there's so much to work through in such a short period of time. And uh, yeah, you need someone <laughs> to call the games in addition to to finding a home for them on streaming and cable. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a crazy situation. In fact, I'm surprised. I know it's received some headlines, but it seems like it's sort of underplayed as far as how significant and uh, tumultuous this is. Well, it, it becomes, I, I, to be honest with you, I don't think all that many people are going to care if the Pirates go away. I just don't. Um, I mean, obviously they've got a, um, a certain amount of really loyal fans. Most of them are old, I would guess, um, just because they were around when the Pirates were good. But um, I, the hockey fans are going to not like it, and there's going to be a, a, an uproar if they disappear. Um, and I, but what are, what are fans going to do about it? Where are you going? Yeah, that um, <laughs> we're we the consumer and fan are just prisoner to whoever will just you know who will distribute the games, what will be the platforms, who will pay for them. Uh, you have to think playoff games somehow, some way. Even if we're you know using antenna and they go back on like good old fashioned network TV, you got to think there's going to be some uh, purchaser for them, just like. A lot of NFL preseason games, I think, are picked up by like local yeah, affiliates. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you wonder if that could be like a worst case, you know, scenario. I just have to think the playoff inventory games will be aired. And, uh, but yeah, Pirates. You know, I don't know if it took. Uh, that's a valid point. There wouldn't be people. You know, you wouldn't have as many irate customers calling in if Pirates games weren't on early in the season. But it is something that I'm sure you know. Tens of thousands of people in Pittsburgh, even if Pirates are not playing well, it's still part of their routine to put the game on, and yeah. uh, that will be missed. Yeah, well, uh, we'll see. It should be interesting. And you, we're talking—we're not talking about next year or five years from now. We're talking about <laughs> a few weeks. This could all happen. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey. it really is. And uh, there's so, there's more questions than answers uh, for sure. And I, I don't think anyone quite knows how it'll play out at this this very moment. So. Well, it's something to, to definitely follow. I hope to have you on again to talk about this, uh, see how it plays. But I appreciate you coming on, Travis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Great to talk with you. Okay, that's Travis Sachik. You can find him at Score. Download download the app. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with My Pillow is launching My Pillow 2.0. When Mike invented My Pillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Now, nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. The My Pillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original My Pillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature regulating thread. The My Pillow 2.0 is the softest, smoothest, and coolest pillow you'll ever own. For my exclusive listeners, the My Pillow 2.0 is buy one get one 
free with promo code STAG. MyPillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100% made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square to get the buy one, get one free offer. Just when you thought MyPillow couldn't get any better, MyPillow 2.0 gives you the best pillow ever. Enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087 to get your MyPillow 2.0s now. If you're a business owner, imagine getting up to $26,000 per employee. There's still time for business owners to file for the Employee Retention Tax Credit Program. This program is for business owners who continue to pay their W-2 employees during the COVID pandemic. Many businesses qualify and simply do not know it. All business types and industries may qualify. You can claim the credit even if you received a PPP loan. This is a cash payment and not a loan and can be claimed now. The licensed CPAs and tax professionals at DH Tax and Consulting have been serving business owners across the country for over 15 years. The best part is that until you receive your cash payment, you don't pay us a dime. Our tax credit specialists are available now at 833-ERC-FILE and your tax payment estimate is quick, easy, and free. That's 833-ERC-FILE to qualify you and your business for up to $26,000 per W-2 employee for free federal aid. Call us now at 833-ERC-FILE. That's 833-ERC-FILE. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. A little story for you. I'm not exactly sure what year it was. Uh, It's probably 20 years ago, and it was when a Major League Baseball CBA was coming up, a, a labor agreement, and there was talk about whether there was going to be a strike or a lockout. And I do remember standing on the field doing a live interview with Kevin McClatchy, the guy who owned the Pirates at the time, and he told me that the the teams in the National League had the power, if they wanted to use it, to prevent visiting teams from televising out of their ballpark uh, if they wanted to. And and he said that he was going to use that leverage to try to get them to do a better job of revenue sharing or get a salary cap or something. Of course, he didn't do it. I don't know if he got he, – he may have been bought off by being told he's going to make a lot of money by revenue sharing without having to put a good team on the field. He just had to show up and he'd make enough money to make it profitable. I don't know what all, uh, uh, about the details, but it made me – this discussion I just had with uh, with uh, Travis Sochik made me think of that conversation, and this may be a time for the, the, the non-mega market teams. And I'm not talking just small. I'm talking about all the non-mega New York, Boston, Chicago, L.A., San Francisco teams to get together – and say, you're not televising your games out of our ballpark unless we get some of that big money you're getting from being in a big market. They won't be smart enough to do that, but and they deserve whatever they get, but that's just something to think about. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.